0: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the distraction here on Fightful.com, our usual Thursday show. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the great Joe Holbert. Joe, how are you doing today?
2: I'm much better. now. The great is back in my (laughs) my introduction. I appreciate that. I'm very excited, Jeremy. It's a big week. The biggest week of the year, right? Feels as it always does. WrestleMania (laughs) week is here, folks. And the jam Pack preview from the distractions on its way. You don't get analysis like you're going to get now.
1: I'll tell you that much for sure. A a preview too big for one show. We We will have a preview tomorrow as well on our Friday daily distraction. And we're going off format for today. Usually if you watch our Thursday shows, we put five minutes on the clock, set the timer, discuss that topic for five minutes. We always go over time because that's what we do. And then we move on to the next topic. With this being WrestleMania week, or WrestleMania just in general, because there's nothing else going on this week, we're just going to talk about kind of what interests us in WrestleMania, the the bigger matches, the matches that we care most about. And then tomorrow, we'll dive into the matches that um, WWE has put much thought into, as we are going to as well. So those are the matches we'll we'll cover tomorrow. But for today, we'll get into some of the big stuff that, that interests us and Joe. I mean, we may as well just dive into this thing because this is what the people are here for. We don't need a three-hour pre-show. Let's just get right into the opening of all this. It's WrestleMania. Do you even feel like it's WrestleMania? Well,
2: I don't. I I must say, I there isn't. I wouldn't say excitement. There is an intrigue for me. I don't know how much of it is due to the job they've done building the show. Now, to be clear. That isn't a criticism. That's just the reality of this particular circumstance. Because like, I do think some of these matches, we're going to get into them, have been built like pretty well. One of them has been built incredibly well. It's just very difficult for me to throw myself into being invested, because I just don't think I'm going to be able to enjoy it. I really don't at this point. Uh, the empty arena thing has been very hit and miss for me. So there's an intrigue, but to be honest, a lot of my intrigue is like, and my interest is um, how much do these circumstances affect the way matches are handled, right? When you always take interest in which way they're going to go, who's winning this match and why. And that is now a whole mystery. We don't know if they're going to just set everything back and just kind of stick status quo or about to come out of this show of a totally different WWE. So that part interests me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat to where I don't have the WrestleMania excitement that it's like, Oh man, this is WrestleMania (laughs) week. WrestleMania is on Sunday I'm I'm just pumped for everything on this show. Even the stuff that I'm not pumped for, I'm excited about. With, with this, like you said, I'm excited or intrigued. I don't know about excited. I'm intrigued mm. to see how these matches are going to happen. Like what they're going to do. I mean, there's some. Let's be honest. We know Roman Reigns is out. Triple H said they're going to handle this in a unique way. I want to see how they're going to handle this. Like, are they just gonna? Is he going to teleport? Is he just going to disappear? Off of the match, is he going to get attacked in the parking lot? Since the parking lot is of uh, the performance center is where everyone gets attacked. Um, like I, I'm excited in that regard. the The last man standing match, the Firefly fight the uh, boneyard, how they kind of like do those matches. I, I'm intrigued by that. But yeah, overall, like it definitely just does not feel like it's right. And it doesn't feel like it's two nights. You know what I mean? Like two nights should mm. be. Like, a big deal. Like, oh, man, you're getting two nights of WrestleMania. And it's just like, yeah, it, it's it's two nights. Like, it almost feels like an obligation that it's two nights right now.
2: Yeah, but I think, you know, that announcement, and we discussed this before I think any of this like was even talked about, right? Like, we'd said about the two-night thing, I think, months back. But it should have been a monumental announcement. But because of the way it happened, it felt more like a response to stuff happening. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was like... It wasn't a, oh, my God, look how great his card is going. This just split an event into nights. Of course it's not. You can't do that. We all understand this, but they took they took advantage of it. I guess this – I think you said recently this could be like a test in some ways. It will be interesting, I think, for them to track the numbers night to night. Like, will people naturally um, look at Sunday as WrestleMania and Saturday as just like a precursor to it? I have no clue. And that would be interesting to follow, I guess, or track. That part of it is there. the one match that I – I really want to be more interested in it. Like I feel like if it was in a stadium, I would be all in all in on it's Edge and Norton because I think they have done just a miraculous job with that. So I'm hoping that turns out into a final product that I like very much, even if it isn't what it could be.
1: That's been the the best built match and I'm not even sure it's been close. Um, Rollins and Owens has, has been good with the from the performance center stuff. Both those guys have cut uh very good promos. But like Drew McIntyre hasn't been on any of these performance center shows. Yeah. He it doesn't feel like he's this big challenger to Brock Lesnar going into WrestleMania. It's just been Paul Heyman cutting these promos and like they've been good promos, but the challenger hasn't been present. It's very, you know, everyone knocks Brock. Oh, the, the champion never shows up. The champion never shows up. For this build, the challenger hasn't shown up.
2: Yeah, that one is, is um, that's a strange situation. I would love to know how hot that match would feel with things just carried on as they were. Because I'm not convinced it would have been red hot. I think people were enjoy they've enjoyed every time they've interacted, him and Brock, right? I don't think there's been many of them, but they've enjoyed them. The, the tough thing is it's like trying to reinvent something that we've seen a ton, because really it's just the same. And Paul's promos are this now. Like We've seen this story before. That's like the promo now. Right? Yeah, like We've seen
1: the baby face in this position before. So he's cursing more now.
2: Yeah, but he doesn't like to pull back the curtain. Generally. He doesn't like <laughs> to do that. Just outside of the whole three hours of Rory he doesn't like to. But um, yeah, that one's interesting. And that one's the most interesting as far as does it impact the result? Like I'm putting it in your hands, Jeremy. I just imagine this wasn't taped ten days ago. You're rolling into the performance center this weekend, and they say to you, Jeremy, what do you want to do here? Drew winning the title, or is he not? Which way do you go?
1: I'm still putting the belt on Drew. I I don't like when they overthink and overcomplicate this stuff. I, they did it years ago with with Roman. I mean, really, two straight years. With Roman and Brock, they were just like, oh, Roman's not getting the, the reactions we want him to. Let's try to go in a different direction and let's keep it on Brock. But then they still end up putting the belt on Roman anyway or whatever they do. I, If you're going to put the belt on Drew and it seems like that was the direction they were going, just do it. It's not going to have the same feel, obviously. You know, do do the rematch at SummerSlam if you need to. And then it still kind of works as a coronation. I don't know. I, I wouldn't delay this anymore because then you just risk that. Like then Drew loses. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, then, then he loses. And so like, w- what's the basis for a rematch after that? You know, if you're looking at this from a real sports perspective, which we like to do, if, if he loses, why should he get this rematch? He, he's probably not going to beat many people in the time being. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I was. I mean, I was pondering like, are there now finishes on the table that would never normally be in a stadium WrestleMania? Meaning, would you be shocked if there's a DQ finish in a major match on this show? I wouldn't be anymore. I mean, no. if it happened in a stadium WrestleMania, I'd be I'd be stunned they pulled that because they don't normally do that on that stage. If it happened now, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Paul Heyman calls some sort of like no finish. Wouldn't shock me. Um, we spoke about this a little bit off air, so I guess just pivot straight into it. Do you think – and again, this is not really the time to ask this question because things are in absolute chaos, and also, as you say, we haven't seen Drew. So, obviously, it's a tough one to answer. Do you think Drew McIntyre, as a babyface, can be a champion they actually build the brand around? Or do you look at a guy like Owens, who's – I mean, in recent weeks, because he's been around, has built up even more momentum with this field with Rollins that me and you weren't in on, right? He's done as much as he can with this. So, Seth, is Owens actually a better option – and is is delaying Drew worth it to to use Brock to get Owens over? That's kind of been an interesting topic I've seen kicked around on social
1: media. I'm trying to. So so here's what I'm thinking. On this, I okay. look I, under normal circumstances, and again, the, these are not normal circumstances. You put the belt on Drew, you, you go on from there. Drew has gotten over organically. They yep. they've done everything they they could to push him with from the Royal Rumble win to what he did to Lesnar on Raw, and you know whatever could have happened in the time being, and whatever would have happened at WrestleMania. Obviously, as you said, not normal circumstances. So Owens. I don't mind the idea of them delaying Drew, but again, then you're—I feel like you're just cutting off Drew, and I don't know if you're coming back to him at that point. Like you've done all this work with this guy to where, if you don't put him over now, all right, maybe you wait until SummerSlam. He he actually gets the reaction in an arena, and, and it still works. But if you just go with Owens, which I don't mind at this point, I do think Owens is very good. But if you just go with him like you just wasted the, this months of building up Drew and you wasted this WrestleMania moment. And again, different circumstances, but that's still, it's still all a waste.
2: No, I agree with you. And I think it
1: would be very hard
2: to go with Owens uh, SummerSlam. So this imagine SummerSlam is just a normal event. God, just imagine for a second. And they went with Owens. The only natural route then with Drew is back heel, right? Yeah. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's the fix to this. I don't think he needs a fix. That's what makes it interesting to me. This is actually a case where I think they have two pretty good options. Drew, obviously, visually, is more of like the poster look, right? But I do think if I was, you know, if you're looking at B-tier heels and you need a babyface champ to carry those feuds, I think Owens is the personality that can do that. There is a part of me that thinks... Drew, as a long term babyface champ, will be tough because, frankly, they haven't got a lot of great heels right now. And by not a lot, I mean very, very it's, few. It's, who else is a heel on Raw? Like, it's Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah you have and, and the problem is, AJ, oh, I don't AJ's think he's going to be leaving. He's not going to be leaving WrestleMania ready for a title program. <laughs> right? I think you're going to have to He might do be some dead. He might be might be buried. So, that part interests me because I think there are guys that are on the. Uh, I don't even think they're on the bubble. They're below it, to be honest. Like, a guy like Andrade, for example. Andrade and Drew, I've seen them have very good matches. I'm fully aware it can happen. But on a main roster pay-per-view, under normal circumstances, how does that go? I have no clue. Owens, I think I have more faith in as a baby face. But then again, hey, let's be fair, we all like Kevin, but Owens has been a top guy and a champ. Drew has been waiting for this opportunity, and he hasn't missed yet. Perhaps he, they should just commit to Drew... And WrestleMania is the starting point of that. I think I lean that way, but it is an interesting topic because, in fairness to
1: Raw, I think they have two top baby faces there. that are actually quite compelling. Here's the the argument for Owens, and I was listening to the John Cena interview with uh, Corey Graves, where Corey Graves confirmed that the business has changed. So I, wow. I just want to put that out there that Corey Graves <laughs> said the business has changed. Um, The confirmation of my report on the very first episode that we did Uh, John Cena was essentially saying and look, this is nothing new information, but what he said is they get a guy over and then once he's over the fans go elsewhere. We've seen it with Roman. We've seen it with Rollins. Uh, Becky to a lesser extent She still has uh, some good heat Or or good pops But still Rollins and Roman Are are the two biggest ones And I think that would be the fear With Drew is that all right, the fans are clamoring for him They've turned for him He had this baby face turn That never really happened But sort of happened And now they want it And so when he gets the belt What's that going to mean Are they just going to be like Alright cool he's got it Now what and then they just start like, oh, this is the guy they picked. We don't like it. Owens is at least a good and en- like he has some cachet built up. He's a good enough yep. talker to where he can navigate that. And I don't think the fans would turn on him in, in quite the same way.
2: It's that element is fascinating to me because I still maybe it's naive, at him, man, but I still think it can work. I think Becky Lynch's reign is proof that like it is possible to maintain a babyface champ. Because in fairness, some of her stuff, she got kind of sent down a a tough path on, right? Like three months of Lacey Evans was not easy, (laughs) and she got through it. I think every circumstance is different. Like Roman got super over, and Roman is the perfect comparison to like a Diesel situation. They just confused what people liked about him, and they wanted him to be something that the audience didn't accept him as. That's all years and years ago. We don't need (laughs) to go into that. But the Rollins thing is different because... I mean, he. there was a lot of different weird circumstances there, right, with the social media and this and the interviews. I think that was a weird case of him not having the most interesting follow-up to Mania on television, combining with a perception change off TV, which didn't help him. Then someone would say, you know, Kofi, did fans stick with Kofi? Really, they didn't, right? There was a, there was a switch there, but I would say to that, he did two months with Dolph. So... <laughs> everything's different, but the problem is, it goes back to what we said, like, how would this be any different, because, Drew hasn't got a great, like, group of heels waiting to work with him, there's, there's no evidence that, let's imagine he does two months with Seth, and then he goes into a feud with AJ, I wouldn't be surprised that, oh, AJ AJ's getting cheered in that feud by then, yeah. <laughs> because people just, that's just the way it works, AJ is an interesting case, because he was babyface champ for a long time, and even if the matches he had in that time, wasn't like critically acclaimed, he didn't really lose the audience, right? He may have kind of called off, and that's natural. But he's an interesting case. It's a fascinating topic, and where it fits into modern WWE, I have no clue. I've, I don't know how. I mean, it feels like it's been so long since we just had normal champs that at this point, I have no chance guessing. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Owens is definitely a guy I think it would take a lot more for the people to turn or get bored of Owens, definitely.
1: Yeah, Owens the the promo ability certainly helps him. I mean, McIntyre's gimmick for the longest time during his first run he was the Chosen One. Like, <laughs> if you if you try to use that gimmick now, like, hey, the office has handpicked me to to be this champion, they would quickly quickly turn on that. So I do think the follow up is important. Um, like you said, like if McIntyre wins and they gave him Rollins, he'd probably be fine in that feud. You you yeah. give him you give him AJ. Probably, probably not going as well for him because the fans still love AJ. Like you've got to, and that, that's the other issue is so many of the heels are looked at as as cool heels, guys they want to like. Uh, like even Andrade, like if you give him Andrade, people like Andrade. Yeah. So I don't even know <laughs> if McIntyre would get like full cheers on that. And and you you made a point earlier about essentially their their follow up. Like with with Rollins, the follow up was. Let's pair him with Becky because they're dating, and then let's give him Corbin yeah. and Evans, and then the follow up after SummerSlam because he was he got hot at SummerSlam, like the fans popped huge for the SummerSlam sure. victory, and then it's like oh let's give him Bray, and Bray was like the hottest thing coming out of SummerSlam, and um you said that with Roman and Diesel, they took away what the fans liked about them, and this is what they do when they they put the title. On somebody, Sean pointed this out on on social media with with Rhea Ripley. Is like, okay, Rhea Ripley is the champion, and like that's what defines her now. She's just the champion. Everything about her edge. Same thing with Becky Lynch. Like Becky Lynch, the underdog, and all this stuff. Like becoming the man, and all this stuff. Now it's just like she's the champion. Like all of that's gone, and that's what they do when they put the title on people. And you got to have a guy like Owens who can talk himself out of that. You got you got to have those guys. I don't know if McIntyre like once McIntyre gets the belt, that's what's going to define him. They're going to probably lose whatever it is that have made that has made him cool over these past couple of months. So they're, they're just going to forget who he is.
2: If that part is um, is actually pretty complex, and um, I know that we're kind of really dissecting like the inner workings of how how they construct their current roster, but I understand it. In theory, you take a Rhea Ripley, for example. We're going to get to that match, I assume. But just using an example, Roman works too. Like, you're taking someone that's just a, like an ass kicker. Oh, my God, they're so bad. And you're trying to humanize them. I assume for what the masses are in 2020. I don't know what the wrestling masses are. Jeremy. I have no clue who watches this show. But I assume you're trying to create baby faces that the general person flicks TV and is like, they seem like a good person I want to root for. That's what it always seems to me. Like the real Ripley deal where she's in the stadium and she's talking about how much of a dream it is. And like to a normal wrestling fan, they've just heard that so many times. They just don't care. Right? Like I, I can only assume that's a play for the masses. And I understand that temptation. I just think it, it is damaging at times, especially with the live crowds. It's been proven to be such. The heel thing is fascinating because like we've seen what happens when you go with real heels. Look at Corbin, man, like that, a long Corbin feud is not helping anyone. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing Corbin. I'm just saying, I don't know where the line is now between working with a heel that's so popular it hurts you and working with a heel that's so like set on being an actual heel that people just check out of it. Because I don't know if anyone actually fits the balance at this point. It's very difficult to do.
1: I, I think the, the proper thing is just don't extend the, this stuff as more as they need to be extended. Like, I don't think a feud with Baron Corbin is bad because Corbin is going to get the heat you're looking for and he's going to he's going to get the babyface cheered like nobody's cheering for Baron Corbin. The problem is you stretch Baron Corbin for 3 months and that's when people just check out uh, of all of this because they're like, "All right, how many times can we see this match? How many times can we see this promo? It's the same stuff. There's nothing new to it." Like you got to just do a 1 month thing move on, find somebody else, Mm. two months maximum, but then just move on from it. They try to stretch this stuff out because they they run so many pay-per-views and it's like, we'll just headline this pay-per-view. It's the same match as you saw last month, but we've added a gimmick to it now.
2: Yeah, and that is actually frustrating because they have such a big roster. And if you just take, I mean, we mentioned Andrade earlier, so I'll use him, but... You know, Corbin, if you take one of his matches with Seth away last year and just slot and Andrade into that, you've got him a pay-per-view match for a WWE title there that just helps him. It establishes him as a top guy of the audience. It gives him more experience in that role. That was missed for the sake of a long feud none of us wanted. You know, Kofi with Dolph. I won't be wrong. It felt like that went on for a long time. <laughs> like, a, a pretty long time. Yeah. And that didn't need to happen. So, it's walking the line between using the heels that are actual heels... But also knowing that there is a limit, you know. Obviously, there's exceptions to this rule. I can't think of them right now, but um, it's, it's a weird time, man. It being a heel is a weird time. But yeah, it's it's a case of using the heels like Corbin to maintain someone's babyface kind of cachet, but also using the awesome wrestlers that just happen to be heels. That sure, sometimes people are going to get cheered. There's also not a problem with a babyface champ like not being an absolute perfect gentleman at all times, right? Like sometimes the babyface, they can fight honorably and be a great guy, but if they find a guy who's getting cheered, man, that doesn't hurt their character immediately. I think people have, because Roman was the way it was, that doesn't mean that every babyface that ever gets spooed in a match is dead. It's not that way, right? Like sometimes it happens naturally, that's fine. It's just the Roman case was prolonged. It was very different.
1: This is this goes back to something Cena said as well about working the crowd and, and working those reactions. And I don't know how much freedom these guys have out there. But Cena's talking about uh, remember the beach ball stuff. After Mania, the beach ball's flying yeah. around. Cena's working this tag match. And Cena just tells Cesaro, go out there, take the beach ball, let, let's do something with it. And, and so that's what they did, just in the middle of the match. They, they would do this. And... You know, all the great wrestlers talk about listen to the audience, react to the audience, like take them on that ride, and you know, whatever energy they're giving you, return it. Don't just go out there and keep and do the shit you've been doing for or all the stuff you've planned out. And guys don't do that nowadays. And again, maybe guys just this is the script they have to stick with. Maybe they don't have this freedom. Maybe they're not comfortable doing it. But if a babyface is getting booed, Roman actually did this really well after the uh, Undertaker win where he just stood in the ring for three hours and he's like, it's my yard now. Like, that was great. He wasn't really a heel. He wasn't really a babyface. He just reacted to the crowd. And, And that's what you want out of a lot of these guys. Just whatever the crowd is giving you, go with that. Yeah, and that's a perfect example
2: because that version of Roman that didn't care what the audience was doing, he stuck to what that character stands for without pandering. He was fighting Braun, the crowd would cheer Braun. It didn't mean that Roman was the bad guy. He just did his thing, right? And he would react accordingly. But that guy could have easily been the champ for six months and wrestled a whole range of guys. Babyface, babyface matches, working heels. That actually is more effective now, I think, than really trying to force... And this is the thing. I love a traditional babyface heel split. Sometimes it just isn't feasible, right? Like, I would rather Roman have great matches in which the crowd are split, then wasting four months of Roman on a Corbin feud, just so the crowd is cheering for him. And again, this is not ragging on Corbin, it's the use of Corbin. So, um, that's kind of, I mean, we've gone way off main here, we're just talking about how, <laughs> how weird, and the thing with Cena is, he's, like, he's 100% right, but I must say, I think modern crowds are incredibly hard to predict. Like, uh, and, and Maybe this is just, you know, recency bias or whatever it is, but I sometimes am stunned at how little they're into things I expect them to like <laughs> and how much they love stuff that I just think is not for them at all. So I I understand why it's difficult. Like, there's been matches I've been excited for, and they go out there and it's just dead. No one cares. And I'm I'm left confused as they are. So I get it. It's, it's a tough gig, for sure. But um, we haven't got to worry about WrestleMania, right? There's no, <laughs> no worries about dead crowds at Mania. So, yeah. Definitely. Do you think they'll Weird pipe winter. in
1: crowd noise for Mania? Oh, no.
2: Now, if they do that or the thing where they have, like, face cams, like people like me and you, like, reacting to the matches, I'm done. I'm out. No more. That would be the worst idea yet. But I think this started with us talking about Brock and Drew. So, yeah, anyway, I'm doing a title change, Jeremy. You are too, right? That's yeah, what we're I'm, doing?
1: I'm doing the title change. I don't think they should pipe okay. in uh, crowd noise. I definitely don't want fan reaction. Fate. I Look, I said if you want to put Drew McIntyre on there and they taped multiple finishes and he doesn't know if he's winning or losing – at the end so we get his genuine reaction i'm fine with that i i don't need uh you know joe three six eight nine two one on twitter's reaction uh during the these matches like i i don't need that
2: well you name and Shane the guy there that was incredible <laughs> um you know what's an interesting one compared to this title change wise becky and shana i have become totally convinced becky's retaining the belt
1: totally I... I'm I'm so torn on that and Charlotte and Rhea. I, I think under normal circumstances, Shayna and, and Rhea would win because I just think, all right, it's time to do something else with Becky. Shayna is their kind of chosen person right now. Give her a run, whatever you want to do. And, and Rhea, the same way, give her this big win over Charlotte. Let her just, you know, let her build this momentum. It looks good for NXT and everything. And now I'm just like, Maybe they do just want Charlotte in NXT. Like, they're not really doing anything else right now. They're, they're just taping stuff. Charlotte's at least a, a semi-draw, I guess, they can throw on NXT. And, and Becky, I, I don't know if Shayna just... I mean, it hasn't really clicked with Shayna. But Be- Becky remains over, and she's been good in this program. So maybe just keep the title on her. I don't know which way those matches are going.
2: Yeah, I want to go back to Charlotte Maria, because that is incredibly interesting to me. But the Becky-Shayna thing is complex because this now becomes a debate of how much do you think you're losing by killing Shayna? And I don't mean to say, look, one loss does not end a career. I understand that. But let's be honest about this. If Shayna loses this match, it's like, you know, you're in danger territory already. Yeah, Yeah, because it's her whole thing. I don't mean to minimize what she is, but her whole thing is that she's just, she beats everyone. She's a monster. She's a destroyer. She isn't someone you talk about, Owens, like he can talk to a situation. Shane is not a character that's there because there's a connection or there's something special about her, you know, um, her personality. She has a presence of someone who is believably hard to beat. And if you book her accordingly, she can be what she was in NXT. Now, what that is depends who you ask, okay? And that's not what I'm getting into here. That's up for debate. That's fine. But is that more important to you than. My argument would probably be at this point, from what I've seen, Becky has been so great in this role as like the centerpiece, the the building block that you just everything around her. Lacey Evans, man, I mean, look that feud we're never going to be rewatching it. It's never going to be a classic, but she got three very very acceptable matches out of Lacey Evans in a feud that did not totally die, and that was a, that was a feat. <laughs> that was a real feat. She's been great in this role. Do you give up? Her year-long title reign for someone that I still perceive to be a gamble of sorts. I don't. I don't think you do. I think Becky. I think there's a real argument that Becky should only lose this belt when you are confident that you are giving that win to someone that can really be a player, not just for a month, two months, or a big rematch, but for longer than that. And I don't know if Shayna is that right
1: now. If it's not Shayna, then then who is that? I think that's the. That's almost the argument for Shayna, and I'm saying I'm not saying it's a good argument because okay, yeah, yeah. that's it, an, an indictment on how WWE is just kind of booked the women's division. But that that's kind of what it comes down to is like Shayna is semi-hot right now. She she does she's believable in that she can beat Becky and carry the title for however long. And if it's not her, then then who is it?
2: Or I know this sounds like I'm just like pandering, but I legitimately think there's an argument to be made that you bring up Bianca Belair after WrestleMania and you just commit. I, you know, this is now again we're, we're leaving WrestleMania, right? Obviously, this is what we do—the distraction. <laughs> but I just, to me, we're apparently a detriment.
1: Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. We sh- you shouldn't be distracted by the coronavirus. I don't remember what the the headline was, but it, it was, was like, very... don't be distracted by things. <laughs> yeah, we are very bad. I agree Twitter with that. Twitter just well, taking shots at us. I,
2: to me, the way that Bianca Belair has been has with NXT, I would be so much more confident in bringing her up and her immediately, like right away beating Becky Lynch would be, to me, the perfect way of just shooting her up top and being like, Man, she's she's the kind of talent that I'm much more confident in building around. And this, again, that's not indictment of Baszler. I think she's special, Bianca Belair, right? I'm not dying to see Shayna wrestle too many of these women on the main roster. I'm really not. And I, you know, maybe that's a criticism in some ways, perhaps. I don't know. But is Belair as kind of, um, is she as polished? I have no clue. But I think there's a whole lot more magnetism and uh, the ceiling is way higher, right? Like, yes. To me, Baszler, you get a, you're going to get a good rematch out of that with Becky, where Becky finally slays Shane, and it's like well, then what? <laughs> that's my view on it. Whereas, man, Bianca Belair, you can get a, a years years of main roster stuff, and it all goes back to all traces back to she was the one who, after years of NXT being like the almost, stepped up and took Becky down. That's the way I look at it. That's why I think not. You know, that's not why I think Becky's going to retain because I don't think they'll go. With, I think they'll go with someone who will let like even less. Um, Nia Jax so yeah that's just my view on it I think there's better options but we're, they're not right in front of us right now so it's tough to kind of see that if that makes sense but we'll see what happens the rear Charlotte one is um, I'm just becoming convinced that Charlotte's winning that so I don't know if I'm just way off here it's been a crazy couple of weeks Jeremy I have lost my mind So, but I'm just becoming I'm looking at what Charlotte's doing I'm just thinking this is all headed to her going to NXT because I don't know what else they do with her
1: I I like your Bianca Belair suggestion. First off, I I didn't even think of her because I was just thinking strictly yeah. main roster sure. um, people. Like I, when you said you're pandering, I thought you were just gonna say Sa- Sasha Banks should just come over. No, and- no, 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 <laughs> and, no, no. and and, and beat Becky. But no, I like the Bianca Belair suggestion. I'm with you. You can easily build around her compared to to Shayna Baszler. Um, with with Charlotte and Rhea, I don't know what they're doing with this match it it feels very weird in that i don't buy Rhea as any type of a threat like i just feel like charlotte is trucked her in these segments she's trucked her on the mic and i'm just like Rhea's just the the last thing i remember from her is in the empty stadium just talking about how this is a dream come true and i'm like all right Cool. And Charlotte, meanwhile, was like, I don't care about your dreams. Like, I'm here to just collect titles and beat the hell out of you. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I want to see. Like, that's what I want to see at a, Rhea, at a Rhea Ripley as well. Yeah,
2: I was really thinking about this because I was – I don't like to – wrestling isn't prize fighting, okay? And as much as we enjoy the odd good promo, it is very silly, and we accept that part of it, Jeremy. We accept it and we embrace it. However, I cannot remember being sold on many big prize fights in which the lesser-known – part of it was just constantly seemed to be like in awe of the person she was facing. That is just not good. It's not good. The rear Ripley character, or in fact, any character that you really have high hopes for that isn't a Bailey type underdog, she shouldn't have any respect or like adulation for Charlotte. She should not care one bit about Charlotte. Like she's already been in the ring with her five months ago. Before a match that she went on to win at survivor series the Rhea Ripley character should perceive herself as the absolute like best woman in all of WWE. She beat Shayna, who's then killed the whole Raw division. And instead, it's like, oh, man, what a big moment this is for Rhea. Can she hang with Charlotte? That's that's way off to me. And what it makes me fear, I, I'm really coming around to the idea that this isn't Rhea's starting point of a career. This is like Charlotte's way of getting on WrestleMania. And that's a very ominous fault. Because if that is the case, good lord, we for some tough times.
1: <laughs> I mean, if Charlotte wasn't doing this, I'm not sure if she would She'd be on WrestleMania somehow. Yeah. But th- this does just feel like we've got to give Charlotte a big match at WrestleMania. This is what we're going to give her because we can't do Charlotte and Becky again. We can't do Charlotte mm-hmm. and Bayley again. So we- we've got to do the NXT thing. But But I'm with you that... It doesn't feel like this. Does not feel like Rhea Ripley's moment at all. Yeah. Like if she wins, cool, great. Uh, it, it's a good win for her. I mean, the fact that it's happening in front of nobody obviously lessens the the uh, visual of, of the victory and the the seeming importance of the victory. But if she wins, I'm just get. I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna feel. But I, I feel like I'm just gonna be like, all right, she beat her. Like, but she's not an underdog. Like, she's just, I don't know. The, yeah. This feud, like, Rhea Ripley's side of this feud has done nothing for me. Yeah, it's,
2: it's really interesting. I, I just feel she's been miscast. I think there's there are women that you could have done something like this with. Because the truth is, and, you know, me and you have discussed Charlotte enough. We're probably going to do it more right now because I'm going to have to go <laughs> into a whole tyranny. But, like, she in... In that world, whether you believe it or not, whether you like or dislike it, she's framed as being basically the greatest of all time. Correct? That's what yeah.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done. Which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
2: That's the way she's represented. So, there are definitely ways in which you can do a program in which a young baby face, an up and comer, is like in awe of her. Oh my God, I'm wrestling Mrs. WrestleMania at WrestleMania. That's the way it's, it's viewed. Rhea's not that character, man. She's really not. She's a badass. She, she beats everyone, she's not lost a match in like a very, very long time. And she's the champion this match, by the way. Like, it's easy to forget. This is an NXT title match. She is the NXT champion. There should be a whole different um, dynamic here. But I, I must say, I think Charlotte is in a very odd position here where through winning a lot of wrestling matches, she seems to be at a crossroads. And I almost feel like your options are actually doing something interesting with this character beyond what title is she chasing now, woo. Um, doing something between that, you have to either actually do something interesting and change the character or adapt it or make it go through something, or you just drop her in NXT. And when I look at those two options, I think I know which one they're going to lean towards. I think you're just going to do six months of her NXT because then she'll come back fresh on Raw or SmackDown. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Because right now, like, for example, okay, imagine if um, she loses here, and this, again, it's just assuming everything carries on as is and it's somehow back to normal, which, you know. Uh, and then after WrestleMania, Shane is champ and her first feud is Charlotte. There is no way anyone cares, Jeremy. Like, I can, you can sense interest wavering in this Charlotte deal, and I don't think that's a reflection of her. I think it's a reflection of the fact that her gimmick is what title program am I in next? Not good. We need some kind of depth here because... There's got to be a connection beyond that because eventually you're going to have to bring some women up, right? Like you you need to create something here that's bulletproof with
1: Charlotte. You don't want it to just be purely reliant on how many belts she's won. It's not good. I mean, if Charlotte wins or if Charlotte loses, I I don't even know where she goes if she loses. And that's why it almost feels like she's just going to win because I don't know if they know what to do with her if she loses because – yeah, you can't just go, alright, well now you do a feud with Shayna. Like you just lost to Rhea. Why why are you feuding with Shayna? Um yeah. you gonna feud with Becky again? Like, I who else is on Raw and that you're gonna feud with Asuka again? Like <laughs> we don't need to do that to poor Asuka. Like, who what what <laughs> else are what else are you doing if you don't win this match? Well I
2: think and this is not something I want to see. I'm just trying to figure out, because I agree with you. It's a real question, and I think it's worth pondering. But there's an argument, perhaps, that there's a run there with her as the heel champ again. And perhaps you lean into the idea that she's, like, the corporate champ, right? Like I saw someone mention this to me, that, like, she was very good in the role before last year's WrestleMania of, like, I just get everything, right? Like, she yeah. was good in that role. I think mean, we both agree she's very good. So perhaps there's an idea there where the other three horsewomen are on one brand and she's kind of anchoring a set of new baby faces. But even now like, I'm desperate to see that by any means, right? I don't, perhaps a real loss can spark an angle in which we kind of, she has to rebuild, but they have to actually have her lose some matches. They can't do the thing of like, maybe Charlotte's lost her, lost her mojo. Oh no, she won the Royal Rumble. <laughs> like, you have to actually commit to those kind of things. And I don't think they're going to. So I think you're going to get four to six months for an NXT. That's just the way it, Feels to me because Rhea's not been a focus runner.
1: One match we, the best belt match we hadn't really got into too much, but Randy Orton and Edge. The dynamic of this has obviously completely changed, and I've said it when, when it was announced the Last Man Standing gimmick. I'm not looking forward to this match as much anymore. I think it'll still be very good. Orton and Edge are great. I I do think there might be a little too much of that, like. Let, let's talk to each other and tell each other yeah. our feelings throughout the match. But the last man standing gimmick is, is difficult in front of a crowd because it's a lot of eight, nine counts, standing around, setting up spots, and now you're doing this with no crowd. So I don't know how this is going to look, but it is one of the matches I'm more excited for because the the build up has been very good.
2: I agree with you. I don't love the stipulation. I'd have rather if they wanted some kind of step here, and I think it does fit. I think just do a simple street fight. And keep the wrestling to the wrestling because the 10 thing, it kind of like, um, it takes the edge off of how violent this is supposed to be, if that makes sense. It's weird. I don't I don't know why that is.
1: No, I get you it because just let's beat each other down, but then let's stop for 10 seconds to see if you yes. can get up.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just an odd, it's an odd thing. But, you know, we'll see how they do it. All right. I've rewatched all of this stuff in the last two weeks because I did an Edge feature, which I think is about to come out this week, I assume this week, hopefully. It's (laughs) going to come out on Tuesday next week. (laughs) After they have a terrible magic (laughs) on that. And my takeaway after watching, and and I love Randy Orton, but I just think this is all so promising for Edge's run that he's about to have. Now, look, this is all assuming that the Royal Rumble was a suggestion that he can still be, you know... Not what he was, but he can still go and have good matches. He is just so inspired from a storytelling point of view. And I know that you shouldn't credit the wrestlers every time and blame the writers every time, right? That's unfair. But it seems pretty obvious watching the show that this feud and this, this conflict has all been developed by the guys themselves because it's just way more detail. Like all this, in my mind, after Raw Rumble, I knew he was going to win all all because it just seemed like the safe chart start to this whole thing. It's like, okay... Edge is going to come back and have a safe feud with Randy Orton, who he has history with, and then we move on to all of these weird matches we know what we get. I mean, that was so misplaced, because they've got way more out of this than that. This isn't just two guys that used to team up. There's like a whole um, contrast between them, and there's similarities between them, and Edge stands for one thing, and Orton stands for another, and Orton resents him, and this is really great stuff. And again, I'm not even into the kind of over-the-top, you know, character work and all that. Sometimes the layered stuff is actually nowhere near as complex, People we'll pretend, right? It's very, very simple. This one is actually kind of, it kind of hits for me because I believe almost everything they're saying. Obviously, you know, within reason, but like when Edge was talking about how Alton's kind of average is better than most people, it's like every person watching around the world was like, yep, that's 100% true. Yeah. And Edge, if there's one thing where you love Edge, you're not into him, whatever it is, his energy is always, like, insane, right? He's so over the top fired up. And that contrast with Alton, who just always looks like he can't bother to be there, man, it's awesome. And I never even thought of it until they touched on it. This week, Edge cut a promo that I think is one of the best promos you've seen on Raw in that, you know, element. Um, I've seen in a long time. I think, I think they've done a wonderful job, and it makes me very excited to see what Edge does, you know, in future. This match is capped by the circumstances. It just is. It's not going to hit the same. That's natural. But hopefully, they still turn out sound good because I think mean they deserve to.
1: I think the match will still be very good because these are two guys who it's clear they're left to their own creative freedoms. Yeah. They're not getting handed scripts. They're whatever they want to do. They're pretty much able to do it. Edge has done a bunch of interviews this week. He actually had a line. Where he said like I get off on trying to come up with something creative for this match. I was like, hey, to each their own. You know, if that's what if that's what gets you off, cool. <laughs> but you know, the fact that this like gets him to use no blue chew, then I-, I think that's f- pretty promising for the match because this is something this guy is clearly looking forward to. Like, all right, how can we piece this together? And make this something memorable and something special. And we know Edge is a creative guy. His, his whole career, he he's shown that. So in Orton, Orton when he wants to be, like Edge has said, like we've said, when he wants to be, Orton is fantastic. This is a match, a feud, something he can really sink his teeth into. Something where he knows the guy he's working with very well. They've got the long history and everything. I think he'll be the just he'll carry his part of this match and I think Edge will actually carry like multiple parts of this match and so because of that I do think this will be very good it is hampered by the circumstances but I actually like more than most people more than just about anybody else on the roster I trust these guys to like make the most out of it like when when you talk about um halftime heat the empty arena sounds like a terrible idea but you have Rock and Foley those are two guys you trust. Like, all right, they're they're gonna make the most out of this. If you tried that same gimmick with like Undertaker and Kane, it's probably gonna suck. But yeah, you know, Rock and Foley, <laughs> it, it works. Edge and Orton, I think it'll work. If you if you tried this same thing, I like truthfully, if you tried to do a Last Man Standing match in these circumstances with like Rollins and Owens, as good as their promo work has been, I I don't think it'd work as well. And not, that's no knock on their creativity. Owens is. Owens has a very creative mind, and so is Rollins. I just don't think it's working as well.
2: Yeah, and I also think part of that confidence comes in the fact that it's just so obvious how enthusiastic Edge is about this run. Yes. And this is the start of it, right? Like, the Rumble's cool, and it's an it's an obvious pop, and it's an easy moment. You, you know, he's not going to win the match, but it's just always going to be the headline of that match. Edge returned at the Royal Rumble. It's so obvious he's, he's, he's bubbling over the top of ideas of what to do here. So, I agree with you. And what I will say is, man, I don't know. Edge is beloved with wrestling fans, it seems like, right? What I I think is really clear is, if you had any doubts as to just how much of a top guy Edge was beforehand, because you kind of didn't enjoy the era that he was like a focal figure of, if that makes sense, because I know that's not like a revered time in WWE history, a lot of that. I think the last month or so, whatever it's been, has just made that totally, there's no argument left now. Edge is a genuine superstar headline act, man. This, the way that he is just slotted back in to this whole world, and it's the circumstances couldn't be less ideal. It's an absolute nightmare scenario, and is there a guy with more energy on RAW in these promos? No, there's not. (laughs) Like, he's all in. He comes across like a huge star, and I'm just excited for what's going to happen in the next few years. But first, this weekend, like what he can do in this very odd setting for a combat match. I'm excited for it, definitely.
1: It's definitely it is the one match that I'm most excited for. I'm also excited for different reasons, more intrigue. Look, these the boneyard match, the firefly Funhouse match, I don't know what to expect from these, but because they are filmed in different locations, I do think they can do something cool with that. I hope they do something Look as I said earlier this week, I want over the top. I want Michael Bay explosions. I want all. The, I want Bray Wyatt taking the mallet, smashing John Cena's head, and it explodes into a million pieces like that. That's the kind of stuff that I want. Undertaker talked about. Oh, I'm bringing the Holy Trinity with me to this Boneyard match to combat Gallows and Anderson. Like, I want just Kane, like, rising up out of the grave, out of nowhere, and and making a cameo in this match. Um, who else has ties? Fred Durst, if he's gonna be, if Undertaker's gonna be the American badass. I want Fred Durst rolling in on the, the Cadillac, like he did on, uh, SmackDown vs. Raw, whichever video game they put Fred Durst in. I want Fred Durst coming in there with a cameo. That's the kind of wacky stuff that I want out of these matches.
2: I don't think you're going to get that wacky. <laughs> I think there's a very high likelihood that like, I'm not going to get a
1: Fred Durst cameo. A... No,
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it. Uh-huh. I'll say that. I have no scoops here, Jeremy. But I would not expect <laughs> the Fred Durst cameo. There's a there's a 97.4 percent chance that I absolutely hate the Wyatt Cena deal. I'm not a. I'm I know, I can see what this is going to look like in my head. <laughs> and it's really bad. And S- Cena is doing, like, full... He's going acting, he's doing the, the, the community theatre stuff. And <laughs> Bray's got a mallet and all that stuff that you mentioned, but less hilarious. It will just be bad. I really have fears for this match, Jeremy. Undertaker and AJ... The setting is so absurd for a professional wrestling match between two men. That I don't know what the setting is. It's just Boneyard. I mean... It seems, based on what I've read, and again, that's not a scoop, like just from what AJ said about it, it seems like it's a match in a graveyard and they just didn't want to say graveyard, yeah. which is amazing, by the way. <laughs> that's ridiculous enough that I think I will enjoy it for all the wrong reasons. senior and Bray is too open-ended. They can do a lot of weird stuff with that. And you're getting excited for what it could be. I'm getting very scared for what I think it will be. Because <laughs> I just think... I expect – I honestly expect you're going to see Cena like pulling up outside this house and it's going to be – it's just going to be – it's going Good. to be bad. I, w-
1: I want oh, it I, to I be – I want it to just be so <laughs> absurd. Like I want it to be bad but just in the most comical – look, I I love the Fast and Furious movies. They are total over-the-top madness. They make absolutely no sense but they're awesome every single one of them except for um yeah we all know which one I'm talking about the, the Tokyo drift um the most of them are awesome Tokyo drift not good but the rest of them all very good if Vin Diesel's in it I guess he's at the end of Tokyo drift then it's awesome um th- that's the kind of stuff that I want I hope Cena pulls up to the firefly Funhouse in his uh 1973 Ford Mustang uh you know he, he gets out of his car he looks at it and he's like so this is the fun house, huh? And then he walks yeah. in and the door is like locked or something. So he just gotta like knock and Bray does a creepy like, come in, John. Ha ha ha. I don't know. His little laugh. And they come in and they look at each other all stupidly and they just start a fight. I, I have no idea, but this is the kind of dumb stuff that I want from this match. And it all ends with a giant explosion. Hope Cena's in different color shirt. You know, John Cena's had like three million different color shirts. Uh, yes. throughout his career. I hope in a different scene, he's just wearing a different shirt in all of them. I don't know why. He just is. I think we are imagining the exact same
2: match. <laughs> we just have very different feelings about it. Uh, based on what you, that whole portion where he's like, so this is the fun funhouse. Huh? Like, I have seen this in my head. I've imagined <laughs> all of this. And it's why I'm very scared. But I'm glad you're excited about it. Look, man, there's like 400 matches on this deal. I have no problem with some silliness. I just... What I fear more than the silliness... It's folks like you that are gonna be very excited about the silliness <laughs> and it'll just fill it'll fill my whole feed and that's what I fear more than anything. But yeah, I mean, it will certainly bring some variety to the to the show, right? To the two night extravaganza
1: <laughs> I love John Cena. Anything he does, I'm probably gonna pop for and look he's gonna get the best match out of bray wyatt's career in this funhouse thing i've I've no doubts about this john cena master of of all of professional wrestling he's gonna pull this out of uh the goofy clown you got way too much faith in john
2: (laughs) this is gonna bring out all of the worst parts of john all of the silliest parts We'll we'll report back on this this i could be way off this could be one of the most groundbreaking moments in the history of the industry I'm pretty confident <laughs> it's going to be very, very bad, but we'll see. The the Boneyard deal is like, there's a big part of me that just wants them to do just a normal match in that setting. I think that would be hysterical. They're just doing false finishes, Charles Robinson's there counting away. She's just like Graves. I just, but, you know, I get it, right? Like, having seen a wrestle in an empty arena, having taker is even more ridiculous. That poor man shouldn't be wrestling probably at all, let alone in an empty arena. So, I get it. It mixes it up. And you get to do the whole different location business, but I am not really looking forward to it, I must say, either.
1: What have you made of the Undertaker not being the Undertaker for this feud?
2: Alright, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on it. I, I have no interest in. The thing is, I'm not really the person to ask so I don't. I think I prefer the biker dude anyway, because I just don't like the kind of you know wizardry dead man thing. It's not really for me. Um, and at this point, it's... It is actually a great... The video package they used on Raw, where, like, when AJ's saying, like, this poor guy, his wife sends him out there, and at the, when he's saying it, they're using this footage of Taker, like, hobbling around, after matching up. <laughs> and I was watching it, like, this is actually awesome, because it's exactly what we think, not about his wife, but just we do think... If you're a wrestling fan, you've seen Taker at some point in the last five years and just said to yourself, poor dude, man. Like, he just looks so a shell of himself, right? So... I, I'm with it. Sometimes they go a little bit. They veer a little bit. the the whole deal of um, the, the AJ, the taker promo from Raw this week, where it like, opens up with Alan Jones, and it's like, oh, God. He's
1: like, maybe you're mad because she uses the Faith Breaker, a.k.a. Yeah, the Styles Clash, better than good. you. She got it over. <laughs> it's just like, what?
2: Yeah, it's not good. And the thing is, like, the Undertaker deal is different to me because... It's so... The Undertaker isn't a a name that someone has in real life, right? Like, they're not going through airports with the name The Undertaker. We understand this. We've always understood this. So at this point in his life, we've seen him with Michelle on TV anyway, from, like, remember the match he had at Mania where he went over to her afterwards? Yeah. It's all blurred enough that I understand it. There is no reason to call him Alan Jones. AJ (laughs) Styles is is a fine real name. It's not The Undertaker, right? Like, it's just... It's just doing stuff... And, like, who actually reacts to that, right? There's nowhere casual fans like, oh, my God, do you know what he said? You mentioned the faith-breaker, dude. No one even knows what he outside of, like, me and you. Like, well, that's why you right, had no, to clarify,
1: like... a.k.a. the Styles Clash.
2: Yeah, and he was – the way he said she got it over was very <laughs> – was... that felt written. That felt like a written line, right? The whole, actually, whole the
1: thing, whole thing, thing was felt like this but... bad Braun Strowman promo that – you know, he's going to be doing 10 years from now. And you're like, remember when Braun Strowman tipped over trucks and tore down stages? And, and yeah. now he's talking about, I don't know, what's is Tommy End, is that Alistair Black's real name? That was the name he used on that the Independent. Yeah, it was his, Independence yeah, that was his I don't know. Yeah, I don't know Hopefully has another
2: real name to use. That would be really getting him over. Right?
1: <laughs> so uh, Braun Strowman is just talking about Alistair Black, and he's like, Tommy End, you're mad that. Uh, I, you know, your, your relationship with Zelina Vega, you know, he's calling all this, he's calling shoot names out here. Oh, that, it's that's just... what, that's what we're getting in 10 years, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, this is a spoiler 10 years from now, Braun Strowman, Alistair Black feud. The other thing is, and I, I'm not,
2: I thought Taker's delivery was as good as it could be, it's a, that's a tough promo to do in that setting, it's just a weird one, it's an odd one, and I'm not, you know, I thought we did fine with it, but. If I was writing that promo, I probably would have avoided making AJ seem like just some absolute, like, just a no-hope who lucked into a run. Like, you came in when everyone that was good left, man. It's like, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's one way of approaching it. I mean, he did beat AJ in, like, sorry, senior, like, five months into his run. So, yeah, I don't like to do the whole I hate the part-timers thing because I don't actually care. But AJ is probably, of all the full-time guys, is he, like, the most decorated He's one of them, right? That hasn't been there for 20 years. He's yeah. got to be. And in, in this promo, it came across like he was just some dude that wasn't good enough to hang and take his prime. That's not really for me. I mean, Orton,
1: Orton kind of did the same thing last year yeah. when, you know, he's talking about uh, he was uh, hanging with Dixie Carter, getting a tan while Randy Orton was winning championships and stuff. It's similar. Yeah. He didn't... Outright... Well, the thing is, is.
2: AJ, unless I'm mistaken, I could be. So be ready to correct me because I could be But AJ was the baby face then. Yeah. So, like, you kind of knew AJ was going to beat him and prove that, like, this guy's just an arrogant dick. Like, ignore okay. him. Taker is definitely going to bury AJ Styles alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, at that point, it's a different frame. But you are right. They do. They love that. I mean when he first came over, he was, like, a 38-year-old man and JBL was, like, redneck rookie. Look at him <laughs> out there. Right. so yeah i get it it's fine i didn't mind
1: it everything they did before WWE never actually happened i mean yeah. that's a thing aj just he he just became a professional wrestler like five years ago and that was that
2: <laughs> hey i believe it some of the stuff i see on social media like you try to talk about aj's historical uh context and people are like didn't love that rusev match and i'm sitting <laughs> like I don't, this all of this stuff to me is a bonus when it comes to aj right as soon as he won WWE title, it was like, okay, now let's just look at how great he's been. And yes, I grant you, some of these matches are not as great as I'd like them to be. But dude's had a pretty great career. I think people forget how old he is. I mean, they wasn't allowed to this week because they actually had his he's a he's like years. Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, here is the young AJ Styles there again. But yeah, the the take of like him coming into the Boneyard scenario on a bike will be incredible right it's got to happen oh yeah
1: it has to happen. i that again i need fred durst on the back michelle mccool can be there too and she has to show there, up. i
2: think, I he, think michelle McCool has to be
1: there. i yeah. really do and you show up on the bike and and go from there i want him like they have uh stereo systems on the bike so he just rides in and uh you're gonna pay is playing out of the stereo system on the bike like that that's what we need I really thought you were going to say they have stereo systems in the boneyard. And I'm mean, going, what <laughs> is it?
2: Maybe I was thinking something we'd seen before. I was, saying, I was so confused. Maybe what they have a, a stereo set? system
1: in the boneyard.
2: They should, maybe, right? I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. What matches have we actually covered here? Have we covered any matches? We covered a few, right?
1: We've just talked about WrestleMania. <laughs> it's I the, fine. I have the same chair as Sasha Banks. Uh, different colors, but... And hers is probably way more expensive. But the same, like... Sitting chair, you, Sasha Banks. You
2: have the same level of importance on WrestleMania too.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank so there you go, right? And uh, you've defended the title the same amount of times as her. Huh? All last, of these similarities, Jeremy. Last one we're gonna talk about, and then we're gonna wrap up for the the big matches. We'll get into everything else. I think this would be the last one. Is there anything? that we've missed i'll ask that at the end last one universal title match goldberg against for right now roman reigns uh apparently it's going to play out in a unique way how roman reigns is off wrestlemania what are your thoughts on this this whole thing
2: i have very simple thoughts bill goldberg wrestling in empty arena (laughs) honestly for me is about as good as it gets and All I'm looking for and all I'm listening in for is if he's actually going to head by a door before he goes out to have an empty (laughs) arena, Because if he does, uh, honestly, I think we've got to start looking at this man in a different light, to be honest, because we already know he's a wild man. But this setting with him at this age is just, for me, it's perfection. So I'm excited for whatever comes of it. And obviously, we're not going to get into who it is, but just awesomeness awaits, I feel.
1: Do you think he'll have the security like accompanying him? I mean, okay. that—that's what I want. I want him. They go to his trailer because I guess they don't have locker rooms in the performance center, or, or maybe he's at one of like the NXT lockers. You see, like Matt Riddle's name. He's he's chilling in front of Matt Riddle's locker at the performance center, and they just go up to him and be like, "Hey, let's go!" And he headbutts Matt Riddle's locker. That—that's what you do right there. And then, yeah. And then Goldberg walks out. He's still flanked by uh, five security guards. Can't can't be more than uh, five, maybe four, in compliance with the uh, shelter-in-place order. And he comes out there, and then Matt Riddle shows up. He's like, bro, you destroyed my locker. And that's who the replacement is. I just booked it all right there.
2: Yeah, that was pretty solid. I, I do like, <laughs> the standout in me was him headbutting anything, though. I just, I, the, the idea that Goldberg, like, you're wrestling Goldberg and you put together a match. And as you walk away from him, you know that if he headbutts that door incorrectly, everything you've just put together is erased. <laughs> I honestly think he's one of the most incredible faults in the history of professional wrestling. I just look, I totally get it. Everyone has correct, adequate criticisms of the fact that Goldberg is in fact, our WWE <laughs> universal, right? Universal champion. Um, however, it is hilarious to me. And If it was hilarious before, Jeremy, in an empty arena, it is borderline kind of like perfection. I can't top it, I don't think. So I'm all in on this. And I'm all in on whatever they make of it. I don't know if you get a replacement and then you beat Goldberg. That sounds even funnier to me. I don't think he would do that. So then it means, like, who are you sending to die at Goldberg's hands? We'll find out on WrestleMania. So it's just wonderful. What a wonderful mess. This is
1: uh, set to be, and I
2: assume this is Sunday's headliner. Did we get told that, or did we not? No, Have this, this will be
1: Saturday. I think this will, because Sunday's oh. headliner is definitely Drew and Brock. I oh, say. that's right, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I yeah. forgot, I thought that was the one they announced, but this hasn't even got a full match yet, so probably
1: not. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's a weird one. Do you think R-Truth will, will, will be the opponent?
2: No. No? Okay. <laughs> no, I don't, you know what, honestly? I was going to go on a tangent there, but I just, our oh, truth, bless him, I'm pretty sure he won the 24-7 title back a couple of weeks ago.
1: I have and no I, idea who that champion is right now. And I honestly thought like
2: this was going to be the time they kicked that into overdrive and hit the whole of Raw is just him and the 24-7 title. And before you would said his name, I hadn't fought with him in weeks. So I did like when on uh, that Saudi Arabia show we reviewed, though, for fight for where he became like a top baby face for about <laughs> 35 minutes r-truth could be the guy maybe r-truth's
1: the future of the business right i don't i mean you said send somebody out there to to lose to goldberg you could easily just send r-truth out there get speared people are like oh maybe he can jackhammer r-truth i i don't know maybe you got to send somebody smaller out there but r-truth is the perfect guy you could just throw out there and hey you just beat this guy, and he doesn't lose anything by it. He's R-Truth. R-Truth is going to come out there. He's going to be like, it's great to be here in front of a 100,000 fans here at Raymond James <laughs> Stadium and WrestleMania. Like He could just do this whole thing, get a couple of laughs. Goldberg beats him, and Goldberg's the biggest heel in the business. So have you given up on the Hogan theory? Oh, I still, that's still my favorite theory, is, is that it's Hogan. Okay. But R Truth is my backup theory. Um, and, and Matt Riddle is my very distant dream that's never going to happen. What about Tamina? Uh, she's she's going to, can she be the SmackDown Women's Champion and yeah. the WWE Universal Champion? Okay.
2: I think there's an argument you unify at this point, to be honest. I really do think that Tamina coming out as double champ is the kind of moment that changes the way this WrestleMania is remembered, right? That's the kind of thing that can make us forget about the empty seats and all that business. So that's my pitch. That's the way it is to me.
1: Uh, N- Nia Jax could shoot on Goldberg, and I don't think Goldberg would uh, fare too well in that. Nia Jax
2: is actually a amazing idea <laughs> in so many ways that I can't even, like, him doing an open challenge at WrestleMania that Nia Jax answers, he's just... That tops just Bill in an empty arena. Bill versus Naya in an empty arena, is, that's the best of it.
1: That's no good, no better. I mean, Naya, look, Naya wrestled men last year, so at least that's already been established that she can just wrestle the men. Yeah, that was an interesting moment,
2: right? That was a, uh, Naya Jack. I thought I haven't seen her on TV in a very long time. It has been a long time. I'm not imagining that,
1: right? It's been but since it, WrestleMania 35, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that Tamina tag team was really on fire, too. I'm <laughs> It's a shame we got taken from us. <laughs> Look, the goal thing's weird. There's obviously elements of this that we could talk about, but it's only fair we just let them do this mess on TV and then pick up the pieces, right? That's just the way it is.
1: No, give me your uh, wackiest, how do they get Roman out of this match? How do they get Roman out of this match? Um, Triple H said it's going to happen in a unique way. I don't know what that means. but That probably
2: means Triple H is going to pedigree him outside the <laughs> arena and set up next year's WrestleMania main event. That's what I think that means. I don't know. Imagine they use like real star power to take him out of it. Imagine The Rock attacked him. Oh. <laughs> Offset vignette of The Rock beating up Roman Reigns. <laughs> If like, they sell yo, a
1: match that isn't on Mania, <laughs> that'd be amazing. He, they they throw it back to the uh, Shobbs and Shobbs, uh Hobbs and Shaw uh, taping, yes. where apparently Roman Reigns hurt one of the camera guys, and now The Rock is out for revenge. It's a real story.
2: Oh, now I'm starting to see it come together. Yeah, I don't know what is. I mean, to be fair, Nia Jax taking out Roman will be pretty impressive. That'd be a, that'd be a way guy, right? That'd be interesting. What? <laughs> I think I can imagine what it's going to be, um, but what, how good or bad it will be. How, what's interesting to me is how Goldberg reacts to it. Like, is Goldberg going to be fighting <laughs> someone this weekend like in hopes to avenge Roman? Or is no. Goldberg just going to beat Roman up before, before the weekend and that's that, we move on? I have no clue.
1: Here, here's how it's going to play out. All right, you ready for this? Just oh came my. up with this right now. There's no thought okay. into this. Triple H is going to go to Roman or Roman's going to go to Triple H. I haven't figured that part out yet. But they're going to have a conversation somehow. And Triple H is going to be like, you ready to do this, Roman? And Roman's going to be like, I'm not sure, boss. And Triple H is going to be like, well, what's wrong? And Roman's going to be like, I don't know if I'm in any condition to put smiles on people's faces. And Triple H is going to say, well, you got to go out there and put smiles on faces. And Roman's like, I don't know if I can do that right now. It doesn't feel like the time. Triple H should be like, well, we can't have you perform. We only want people that are going to put smiles on faces. And that's how Roman gets pulled out of the match. He's not ready to put smiles on face. Roman has lost the smiles for the fans.
2: Wow. (laughs) That would be a hell of a problem. I think the misstep, I like your direction, but I think it should actually just end with as soon as he says, I'm not sure I'm put smiles on face. He's pedigree immediately. Okay, I mean, I'm fine with that. That's how he would react to All such right. an awful fault. What if he gets lost in the Firefly Funhouse? What if he gets lost okay. in there somehow?
1: I, but he's on I'm the road.
2: That. He's going to WrestleMania with Cena. And <laughs> Cena stops off for his match, and Roman follows him in there. Perhaps we could do something like that, and that could set up like, the hot Fiend-Roman feud that we were waiting for, right? Yeah. Oh, ideas. See, this is how it works. <laughs> like, we've got, we've got to figure it figured out. <laughs>
1: Anything from Mania that we need to get to that feels big besides none of this? I think we've, I mean, we covered a lot of stuff that I'm not excited for, so we must have covered the
2: big stuff, right? (laughs) I assume. Unless there's people that are really fired up for like triple threat tags and all that business, five pack, six pack challenges. As of that, no, I think we've covered it. The rest is um, stuff that we'll definitely treat with full respect
1: tomorrow. (laughs) Definitely. Tomorrow's show we will run through the, the rest of the card Which is stuff that Neither of us remember um, What do we have, a Raw tag team title match A Smackdown tag team title match The Smackdown women's title match The the big Aleister Black Bobby Lashley Fight, that's not a match, that's a fight um, There's other, Otis and Dolph Oh man, the people are oh, clamoring goodness. For our takes on Otis and Dolph I know that
2: yeah, right. Dolph. I mean, that's the singles match we'll envision for him at WrestleMania, right? In 2020 <laughs> versus Bushwhacker Otis in an empty arena WrestleMania. <laughs> Great stuff. Hey, it'll be fun. I have no problem with it. We'll get to that tomorrow, though. Another hook for the for the audience. There, yeah, too. We'll, See
1: we'll talk about those matches for on tomorrow's show. We might talk some uh, AEW and NXT um, since we didn't really get into that today. There were a couple of segments that... That stood out. Joe was very irate over Brody McMahon. I know that much. So we'll have to, to get into that tomorrow. Uh, follow us on Twitter, everyone, at Holbert 5 For Joe, we still have the WWE March Madness Tournament going. That's another thing we'll talk about tomorrow. Final Four will be over. The finals will be set tomorrow. Um, so we'll, we'll look back on the Final Four. We'll preview the finals. Daniel Bryan's going to win. And then... That i think that's it for tomorrow you can follow me on twitter at jeremy lambert 88 check out fightful.com we'll have wrestlemania coverage and all of that fun stuff all weekend we got some uh, fun stuff dropping some live coverage that that's the fightfulselect.com exclusive news extra audio early access to columns and otherwise we will talk to everybody tomorrow
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently